tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Angela Campbell. Angela is a USA Today bestselling author in romantic suspense and award-winning journalist who has been writing professionally in one medium or another her entire career. Her favorite beat as a journalist was when she was assigned as a fluff reporter for her daily newspaper, covering animal and pet-related topics in her community. That experience exposed her to the dedicated individuals and rescue groups working hard to make a difference in the lives of homeless animals in her state. Now, Angela works as a content producer for a technology company and serves on the board of directors for Feline Lifeline, a 501c3 nonprofit cat rescue organization in South Carolina. As part of helping oversee day-to-day operations for the cat rescue group, she fosters cats, performs TNR, manages fundraising, and helps coordinate adoptions. Her book series, The Psychic Detectives, heavily features rescue pets as supporting characters and animal rescue. With an emphasis on cats is a theme she weaves into almost every fictional story she writes. Her best-selling book, On the Scent, is about a private investigator who realizes he has psychic abilities when he's hired to protect a wealthy cat and dog, whose thoughts he can suddenly hear. Angela also often shares her cat rescue experiences on Twitter, where she hopes to raise awareness for TNR, community cats, and cat welfare topics. Angela, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So obviously, you are very passionate about cats, but how did you uh, get the, the cat bug, so to speak? Well, I think like a lot of your listeners and guests, I had a cat when I was very young. Um, his name was George. He just kind of wandered up to our house one night during a storm. I was probably maybe seven or eight at the time. And my parents said, okay, you can, you can keep him. Unfortunately, they let him be an indoor outdoor cat. So he was hit by a car when I was about 11 and we had to put him to sleep, but he was the best cat in the whole world. And, um, it wasn't actually until I was an adult that I adopted another cat because my father didn't want me to get another one. So I adopted my cat, Dusty, when I turned 30 and she was the best cat ever. I had her for actually 16 years. I had to put her to sleep last year because she developed small cell lymphoma. But basically, I just I love cats. I've had cats had you know exposure to cats my whole life and I just think they're just wonderful wonderful creatures so being an author and a writer I find a lot of folks are great observers you know you're always watching and learning and you're taking this visual picture that you see and transferring it into the written word as we just saw one of your cats walk across the screen (laughs) being very helpful and then and you also have written quite a few books so Tell us a little bit about your interest in being a writer and why was it important to incorporate cats into your stories? Well, it's actually funny because when I was talking about George, it it kind of reminded me that even when I was young, like I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always loved writing. And when I was young, like I would 
go see a movie with my brother and I'd come home and write my own version of it and then act it out with my stuffed animals and with George. Uh, he would, he was very tolerant and uh, would, you know, help me bring my stories to life. And I think when I got older, as I mentioned, when I worked at the newspaper, our department produced a publication called Upstate Pets here in South Carolina. And at the time, like a lot of people kind of like in the newsroom, no one wanted anything to do with it. Cause I was like, oh, that's just too, too fluffy, but I loved it. I got to know so many rescue groups and people who are really doing important work, helping homeless cats and, and dogs. And so when I started writing fiction, I kind of wanted to incorporate that into my stories as well, because I, I feel like, you know, animals and especially stray animals and, you know, found family is just such a great theme in any story. And I think cats and dogs and, and animals really, you know, I hate to call them plot devices, but, you know, it's just something in, in storytelling that I think everyone can relate to. So how did you learn about TNR? Was it through Feline Lifeline that you learned about TNR or did you know about it before you got involved with that organization? As most things in my life, it kind of I kind of got involved uh, accidentally. My best friend actually was in a fast food restaurant one day and she was in the drive-thru and she looked over and noticed a kitten in the parking lot. And she called me because as my best friend likes to tell everyone, She's never owned a cat in her life, doesn't know anything about them. So I went through kind of my contacts from all the rescue groups that I knew previously from reporting. And over and over, I was told, I'm sorry, we're full. We can't help. We're too overwhelmed. So my best friend and I kind of took it upon ourselves to help this poor kitten. And when we did so, I, I ordered a trap, a humane trap off of Amazon and keep in mind, neither one of us knew what we were doing. Um, And we went to get this kitten and we found there were not just one kitten. There was like a a whole colony of probably 20 cats. And so we decided we were going to start trapping and helping these cats. And we learned about TNR and essentially that's how we got involved and I got involved specifically with Feline Lifeline because one day my best friend was taking a cat to BTNR at the shelter um, as part of our community cats diversion program here. And she ran into a volunteer with Feline Lifeline who said, you know, if you find any more kittens, give us a call. We can help you find it a home. And so we were introduced to the director of that group and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, based on your bio, you're doing a little bit more than just TNR with Feline Lifeline. You've kind of gotten involved in all aspects of operations. Do you have a an area of special interest? I mean, I love doing it all. Uh, I love fostering because obviously I love cats. And I was able to, especially during the pandemic, um, when a lot of the shelters were shut down and people were not taking in cats. And my friend and I probably rescued during the pandemic upwards of 20 or 30 cats that made their way into and out of my home. So I love fostering. I also, I do love doing TNR just because it 
you really feel like you're making a difference. But I really love doing fundraising and adoptions. Uh, so basically, yeah, I love doing it all. <laughs> you're sort of the, the renaissance uh, cat person here who's interested in doing everything, which is really great. And, and I respect the ability to be able to do it all. I have to say, I probably would lean more in that fundraising outreach side of things rather than the uh, hands-on work. I would get myself a little bit too emotionally wrapped up with the uh, with the cats and then the fostering. And I fostered a lot of older cats. So anything that was, any cat that was 10 years or up ended up having a space at my place. And um, finding homes for those cats, they ended up spending, my length of stay was pretty long. So it, it was a, definitely a challenge. It wasn't like the the in and out litters of kittens, so to speak. So, but that that's fantastic and, and great that you're able to participate in all aspects of things. I mean, I used to be in cleaning the shelter in, you know, Sunday mornings when we had, a, I was managing a physical shelter and that kind of thing with my little daughter, my daughter who was like three or four at the time. And I had her well-versed on adoption protocols at that age. So she was like my meet and greeter with the public, totally against all operational rules now with regards to organizations. But it was fun, fun at the time, that, that's for sure. So I'll also take the opportunity to mention when you were talking about your adventures with your first colony of cats, um, you know, that the Community Cats podcast and Neighborhood Cats, we offer monthly trapper certification workshops. Uh, it's the first Saturday of the month. So folks that are out there, if you are coming across a colony and you're not familiar with trapping, I don't know how your adventure was. You know, you said you bought a trap off of Amazon and, you know, every, you probably learned the lessons by doing and hopefully the trapper certification workshops, which are about two and a half hours long, they hopefully help to prevent, you know, mistakes from happening at, at the first time. Uh, so I don't know, you're nodding yes. here. People yes. can't hear you nodding, but you're nodding. So I assume you've had some bumps on the road. Yes, I would highly recommend that. Uh taking any kind of training or certification course instead of doing trial and error, you will save yourself a lot of headaches. Can't recommend it enough. <laughs> so um, when you do trap, do you just use the box traps or do you utilize the drop trap at all? Well, initially, you know, because we had no idea what we were doing, we did, you know, the typical box traps. Um, we advanced to drop traps. In fact, we probably have our best successes with drop traps, especially when you're doing the larger colonies where there's lots of cats because it's nearly impossible to get 20, 30 cats, you know, in one or two days if you're just using those box traps. But yeah, we, and we used, um, we've developed kind of our own little method. We've downloaded apps on our phone and we use YouTube where we play mating calls and cat sounds to attract the cats and you know, there's just all kinds of things you can learn and, and learn that work for you. But I do recommend taking uh, training and, and speaking to people who've done it before because you can, you know, save yourself a lot of trouble and, and just kind of get right to it. Calling all cat lovers. Are you ready for a product your feline friends will truly get a kick out of? The Pussum's Cat Company premium catnip kickers are made with the finest quality, 100% natural, insecticide and fungicide-free catnip. Dr. Pussum's fancy feline elixir pure catnip toys provide great exercise and stimulation for cats of all ages. 
After the first pounce on one of our catnip pillows, your cat will be meowing for more. The Pussum's Cat Company has been providing superior quality catnip toys to finicky felines for more than 40 years. Provide hours of entertainment for you and your kitties for months on end with our Catnip of the Month subscription or start with a pounce pack of assorted kickers or our Wicked Kicka. Pounce on some Dr. Pussum's 100% pure catnip toys right meow. Go to drpussums.com, that's D-R-P-U-S-S-U-M-S.com and use promo code COMMUNITYCATS to get 10% off your order. Not valid on subscriptions. Have a perfect day. Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. What is your favorite bait? Oh, gosh. We have used everything you can imagine. One of the strangest things that seems to work a lot is Kentucky Fried Chicken. For some reason, cats love it, and they will come for that. Um, Someone recommended that to us, and we thought they were crazy, but we actually, we could not get this one cat for anything, no matter what kind of bait we used. So we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. We got a chicken leg. We tied it up into the the trap and we got the cat almost immediately so i do recommend kentucky fried chicken for trapping do you have any challenges uh within the community about tnr do do you have to do a lot of negotiating with people to make sure that it's okay for the cats to come back yeah it's it's definitely tricky um and we have you know we have colonies where we've been told you know they don't want the cats there They don't want us to feed there. So we kind of have to be very uh, discreet about when we do it. We've tried relocating cats in those situations, but it never really works out well. And plus, you know, we don't have a shelter. We don't have a sanctuary. So finding a place for the cats to go is, is always a challenge. And, you know, we're very aware, and I kind of have to remind myself this all the time, that not everyone loves cats as much as we do. So uh, when you run across someone who just is like, I hate these cats, I don't want these cats here, you know, get rid of these cats, it's, you know, my immediate reaction is always to argue with them. But it's very important to just sort of try to be diplomatic and understand their point of view, you know, because uh, 
I don't like snakes. I wouldn't want snakes on my property. So you just kind of have to be understanding. And I find that when you are calm and understanding and polite, a lot of people react to that and you can work out a deal where you can, you can actually go there and feed the cats, even though they don't want the cats there. As long as the cats are neutered and don't reproduce. That's a, that's a key point. Just wanted to mention also, we do have an upcoming webinar and it's on uh, September 17th. Uh, it's called Colony Caretaking Tips and Tricks and it's a free webinar. So folks can go to the communitycatspodcast.com and sign up for that webinar and you'll be able to get all the information from the folks at Neighborhood Cats on how to make sure you take care of your colonies. And there's always inevitably trapping questions that go on through that throughout that webinar. One hot topic that has been in existence probably, well, since the pandemic started, is access to spay-neuter appointments. Uh, how is the situation for you in South Carolina? Well, initially during the pandemic, it was, it was horrible. Our spay-neuter clinics basically shut down and veterinarians' offices also considered spay and neuters to be elective surgery, so they were not scheduling them because they had to conserve their PPE and their equipment. So the problem just sort of escalated where we had cats on the streets that were <laughs> reproducing, but we had nowhere to take them, you know, to, to stop that cycle. And fortunately, since the pandemic, you know, has kind of eased up, we've had the shelters and the low-cost spay and neuter clinics have reopened. And now the problem is just there are so many people wanting appointments that it's booked out pretty far. And it's kind of a challenge when you find a cat that's in heat or pregnant that really needs to be spayed or neutered right away. It's, it's a little bit of a challenge. As a trapper, when you make appointments um, at the clinics, you know, how do you ensure that you actually fill those appointments with cats. You know, I mean, I know and sometimes they, people will say, oh, you know, well, I made the appointment, but you know, the cat's not going to walk into that trap. I mean, is that why you're so dependent on the drop trap so that you can ensure that I've got four appointments tomorrow and I'm going to make sure those four appointments are filled? Because I'm sure the veterinarian's not excited if you don't get those appointments filled. Yes. Um, fortunately, like our organization, our volunteers, we we primarily go to our local humane society, which has been really great um, in running their spay, you know, spay neuter clinics. And they have a specific feral cats program where you don't have to have an appointment. So if you bring in cats and traps, you can bring them in without an appointment. Cats that we may find that seem adoptable, that it might be friendly or might be pet drop-offs. Those are the ones that are a little bit trickier because we don't want their ears to be tipped. So we need those to have the regular spay-neuter appointments. So those are the ones that kind of get booked out further, which oftentimes kind of complicates the adoption process because we do not like to adopt out cats that are not altered prior to adoption. How do you as a trapper ensure that you're not trapping somebody's cat? That actually is a concern that we and we deal with that most recently there was a new cat that showed up at one of my colonies that my friend and I manage and this cat seemed friendly we trapped it so when we take them to be trapped in that case or to be fixed in that case we asked them please scan for a microchip 
And if no microchip comes back, then they go ahead, they'll, they'll do the surgery and the ear tip, but we, we will look for an owner. Um, we'll search like Facebook and next door and different, you know, websites looking to see if we can find a match for that cat. But unfortunately, oftentimes we, we just can't find an owner. So we just have to assume that, you know, it's a stray cat that just happens to be friendly and needs a home. Have you, through all the trapping that you have done, have you like trapped an own cat and had it, you know, brought back to its owner? Um, well, one, one story that I know our director loves to tell is that uh, we are a Petco Love partner. So we, any cats that we put up for adoption, we can put in. And we were having an adoption event. We brought some cats into the store that day. And one of the Petco assistant managers came up to look at the cats and got very emotional and said, I think this is my cat that disappeared a few years ago. And he took the cat out of the cage and the cat just really reacted to him. And it just seemed obvious that this was his cat. And we were just absolutely amazed at the, you know, the serendipity and, and the fate the, of bringing these two back together. Um, when we looked at pictures, you know, it just, it really did seem like this is his cat. And he's was very grateful to us for that. Wow. That is a great story. No wonder you've, uh, you've captured it. What sort of fundraising does Feline Lifeline do? Well, we are completely all volunteer group. We don't receive any kind of government funding. We basically survive completely off of donations and grants. So one thing that I've been doing more of is applying for grants. Uh, we've received some small grants because we are a small group. So we've received a, a couple of grants, you know, $2,000, $5,000 range. Primarily, we receive donations through Facebook, which has been an incredible fundraising tool for us. Lately, we have explored fundraising on Cuddly and also on Waggle. I do recommend those, those websites to other rescues because... They've helped us, especially with specific cats in need. Those are great suggestions. And I actually will we'll put the link in the show notes. I interviewed the uh, CEO of Waggle. Ooh, it's probably almost been a couple of years now uh, when he was first starting up with it. And I know the site has grown tremendously. Um, and also Cuddly. I've also interviewed the Cuddly folks too. So a couple of great platforms and excellent suggestions. And so, well, Angela, you know, Let's talk a little bit about the books that you've written. And if folks are interested in finding out more about your books or else also Feline Lifeline, how would they do that? They can learn more about Feline Lifeline by going to our website. It's felinelifelinesc.org. You can learn more about me and my books. I have a website that's angelacampbellonline.com. And if you want to buy any of my books, that would be wonderful because I do uh, have a lot of foster cats that need to eat. And so I do use my book proceeds to, you know, buy cat food and litter and toys. And you can learn more about my books. Um, If you love romance or romantic suspense, my books tend to kind of veer into a little bit of paranormal as well, because I, I write about psychics. I like to to references as uh, what if Scooby-Doo met 
you know, uh, I hate to say Bridgerton because it's, that's a historical, but that's the only romantic reference that popped into my mind right now. So, but basically, yeah, if you like to read romance books and you love cats and dogs, then hopefully you'll enjoy my books. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, I would just love to encourage anyone listening to this who, you know, if you happen to go to a fast food restaurant or a gas station, you happen to see a stray cat, don't just ignore it. Try to do something, um, even if it's as simple as contacting a rescue group for help. That would just be wonderful. And I feel like if more people uh, just made an effort, maybe we could tackle this overpopulation problem that we seem to have everywhere. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and good luck with all your efforts with uh, Feline Lifeline. And um, I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Oh, thank you very much. I, I enjoyed being here. Thank you. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Did you attend the online kitten conference in June? We hope you enjoyed the incredible content provided by our expert presenters and hope their guidance and encouragement will help you turn your passion for cats into action. Events like the Online Kitten Conference would not be possible without the support of our generous sponsors. CDE Animal Cages, Best Friends Animal Society, Zinzi Pie Save My Pet ID Tag, Humane Network, Feline Fix by Five, and Cat Savant. If your business or organization would like to support content that makes a difference for cats in communities worldwide, visit communitycatspodcast.com slash event dash sponsorship.